0: Welcome to You're the Boss, a mantra for anyone who's ever had to face their own fears, struggles, and even failures. Join host Larry Roberts for a deep dive into overcoming limiting beliefs and identifying where our pasts can shape us rather than define us to build a lifestyle and business filled with passion and purposeful leadership. Now your host, Larry Roberts.
1: What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another awesome episode of You're the Boss. Hopefully you're feeling that way today because, in my opinion, you're always the boss. But we've got a boss with us here today. His name is Jeff Lambert. Jeff founded Lambert & Company in his basement at age 26. I know at 26 I wasn't uh, founding businesses. I think I was playing karate back then at 26. I think I owned a karate school, so I had a business, but... It was more of just a place for me to train full time. So so I think Jeff was doing a lot better than O'Lair was with his business. But he led the firm through 21 straight years of growth to become Michigan's largest PR firm, a top 50 PR firm in the US and a top 10 firm nationally in investor relations and financial communications. Jeff also founded Ticker. It's a fintech software startup that's inventing a new marketing demographic, consumer shareholders giving publicly traded companies the ability to connect directly with their individual investors. It was launched back in June of 2020. Ticker engages, verifies, and rewards shareholders via stock perks, free trading, and affinity content, attracting new investors and brand consumers, and tapping into the $10.2 trillion with a T, dollar online investing market. Jeff, welcome back to the show.
0: Hey, thanks for having me again. Good to see you.
1: Good to see you, man. So again, you know, we talked about it just briefly before we hit the record button. This is the second attempt at putting this together for the both of us. The first one ended disastrously thanks to uh, some tech issues on my end. But here we are now. It just goes to show that... You know, it, it happens to everybody.
0: Well, failure, right? That was the, uh, the, isn't that one of the topics that we bounce back from? Uh, sometimes things happen in, in our in our life, in our podcasts, in our business.
1: It definitely does. And I'm just thankful that we have bounced back and you're here today. So looking forward to talking to you, looking forward to learning more about Ticker. and And I'd like to start things off a little more lightheartedly. I want to challenge you right now to hit me with your best dad joke.
0: My best dad joke. You know, the best dad jokes are all... Uh, are all spontaneous. Uh, And so, you know, I think that's, uh, you know, and so I I think you could do something like, you know, what do you call uh, Larry Roberts at a haunted house? Scary Roberts. Oh, you know, so there you go. There's my best. That's what I got.
1: That, well, you see, and that's what, what's great about dad jokes is, you know, honestly, they're, they're not that great.
0: But they're, they're hilarious in their own right. Uh, you, you, laugh, you laugh before you know you're laughing, and then you're like, that's really dumb. Yeah. <laughs> but it's all about the spontaneity. It's all about the spontaneity.
1: So tell me, man, what were you doing at 26 that drove you to start a, your, your first business? I mean, that's, that's awfully uh, aggressive at 26 for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, you know, really it, uh, I, I, would always say I was young enough and dumb enough to try it, but I also had, I didn't have much to lose. I was early enough in my career that if it didn't work out, I go get a job. And I look back and, you know, the fork, you know, our, we, we built a super long, uh, elaborate business plan. Uh, I still have a copy of it and, uh, you know, probably 20 pages of how we were going to execute. And we, and we blew it out of the water, but I had no idea. I didn't, impl- I didn't plan to be an entrepreneur uh, it really, I was looking at it and saying, hey, we've got a skill set that we think is transferable beyond this little local market. And so can we take it nationally? And that was the premise. And again, uh, my my former boss and I started it and I bought him out five years later. He's still a good friend of mine. And uh, and we've uh, really grown really nicely ever since.
1: That's pretty amazing. And there's some advantages to having your boss as your business partner isn't there.
0: There's, there sure is, and I think the, uh, you know, again, you trust them, uh, you, you also, you know, you, you want to, you want to do, do your best work for them, uh, but again, he, you know, he trusted me to, to partner, you know, 50-50. and, and, and that was, you know, it was an interesting lesson. That I think most people would say never, you know, never going at fifty-fifty, but what it forced us to do was to basically arm wrestle if we ever, if we ever uh, disagreed. And, uh, and so I think that's, you know, part of the, part of the lesson is I think it's ultimately about mutual trust, mutual respect, and the percentages matter, but they should never come into play if you've got that, uh, that, that uh, trust relationship.
1: Yeah. And I experienced that myself back in the, I don't know, we'll say mid two thousands because I started a swimming pool company and my business partner was none other than my boss at the time. So it it worked out great because you know, there's certain things that maybe you got to take care of at the office that had to do with the business. And well, with the boss man being on my side, I had the opportunity to maybe leverage that a little bit and get some things done that otherwise may have not gotten done in the time frame that they needed to be handled in. So, uh, that was great. And we worked together, built the business and we ended up selling it because at the time, uh, we grew the swimming pool business to the size that it was either. I had to leave my full-time job and do the business Uh, And do swimming pools full-time or stay there. And I don't know if it's regrettably or not, but I made the choice to sell the business and stay there for, shoot, probably another 10 years or so before I exited last year. But uh, I often look back and go, man, what could have been with pristine pool and spa services? Would we be crushing the DFW Metroplex? With our pool cleaning services. So. As a
0: total side note, but I started a pool service business uh, with my wife last year. Wow, called PoolCat. Pool so PoolCat.com, but it's <laughs> it's that uh, maybe maybe there's a dad joke there, right? But uh, but it, but I, I think there is something to again. I think you know to be able to manage multiple things at once. It's really about time and resources. And so if you had had somebody again that could replicate your time on either side of that business you can still use your brain on a periodic basis for those things, but you can't, you can't split up the, the hour. And yeah. so I think that's, uh, I, 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 I think there is a way to be you know, the world's greatest husband, father, and, and business executive, but you have to have people around you.
1: Yeah, 100%. You have to have that team in place. And, I mean, that's part of everything we do. I, I don't know anybody that's highly successful that doesn't have a team and a support system in place behind them. Um, For sure. Yeah, I mean, there there's a, a ton of lessons to be learned there. What, what are some of the things that you fought with right out of the gate, man? You're 26, you're a young pup, you're, you're trying to get your footing. Granted, you've got some great direction. Uh, you've got a bit of a team in place. What were some of the challenges that you had to overcome initially with your first business?
0: Yeah, I think that some of the biggest ones were simply our size. And you know, what is a size that, you know, a public company is going to work with you that they consider you to be an actual agency versus a couple of guys in the basement? You know, we we started it. Uh, we were Lambert Edwards and Associates and the ampersand was the dog. And so, you know, we, we really, you know, we really were trying to appear larger than we were. Sure. and. No, I certainly didn't go around telling people how young I was, and we tried to reflect scale. Uh, we had uh, we had a couple of uh, freelancers on our voicemail system, so it sounded like uh, you know we were larger, and I think some of that is is uh, showing up and as as though you belong. And, uh, you know, they all fake it till you make it. But I think the perception matters. And ultimately, if you deliver like a bigger organization, then they uh, then they trust you to to refer you to the next one. And so I think that there was a a lot of those challenges were being taken, you know, being taken seriously, whether at my age, whether at our size. Again, we, we started in investor relations, the capital of of the you know, of the capital markets is in is in New York on Wall Street. Sure, uh, Michigan isn't the capital of anything related <laughs> to capital markets, and so it was. You know that was a big challenge of you know you know almost telling people not telling people where our office was, and uh, and the basement actually on our first business card it said a lower level. Instead of basement, because <laughs> I thought that sounded, sounded more professional. So, you know, there is some, some aspect to that. But I think the, you know, starting from Michigan, you know, with a national firm, which we now have, that's come full, uh, full circle. We are a national firm. But I think it's a bit of a chip on your shoulder, a bit of that, that, that confidence, but also the, uh, the underdog mentality, which I think plays really well in competition. Of course, if you're in new york you're you're gonna get those looks, but it's a lot harder to to win if you're not and so I think that's really served me well no it's it's great,
1: and it sounds to me like you were just extremely creative and correct me if I'm wrong, but you, you kind of look at creativity as a superpower, don't you?
0: yeah, I think that i i I've been saying that that creativity is my secret weapon and and a superpower and uh, and, and I think that that is again whether it was uh, in, in on behalf of clients of so coming up with campaigns that were award winning or really moved the needle or drove the bottom line uh, to coming up with new businesses uh, again. And that's the ticker, uh, the ticker idea was came out of experience, but it really is inventing a category. Uh, in a, in the fintech space, that's very crowded, and so how do you how do you do that in an industry that's been around for a long time? The public markets, in you know, a marketing segment and a demographic in shareholders that hasn't been tapped before, and so yeah, pretty excited about how I could put that creativity to work.
1: No, and what are some of the ways that you've leveraged your creativity in starting this new business? Because I mean, you're doing some things with ticker that. Are rather unprecedented.
0: Yes, and so I think the so much of it is hindsight. You look back and you say, "How did I end up in public relations?" And the truth of that matter is maybe two not two seminal events. One uh, when I was uh, an early teenager. Uh, I was, uh, I was playing Asteroids, uh, my Atari 2600. I love it. And, and it was uh, bought it at Toys R Us. And, you know, it was, uh, it was amazing, but I played a single game of Asteroids for two and a half hours. And I was convinced that I was convinced that that had to be some kind of world record. And so I pitched myself to the local newspaper and they, they, uh, they took phone calls back then and they, they patted me on the head ver, uh, verbally on, uh, over the phone, and I never got anything. But that was my first media pitch, and uh, another was I, you know, I went to I went to Michigan State University as a pre vet major. I was going to be a veterinarian. Turns out, liking animals is not enough to be a veterinarian. Come on now. And, and so they, yeah, right. And so they, and that was really where they they unlocked this. What are you good at? Well, I'm a pretty good writer. I did well in creative writing. And so I ended up in advertising. So I think you, you look back at those things and those are some of the catalysts. So Ticker, and that's Ticker with two eyes for individual investor or the two lenses that we look through public companies and, and the investor. But Ticker was really birthed in my mind 20 years ago when I was standing at, at trade shows handing out, you know, little keys or a hush puppy dog. So you'd buy Wolverine worldwide stock that owns hush puppies and, and Merrill footwear. But we did old school, you know, almost selling stock share by share to individual investors. And that was how it was done for decades. Sure. And so online investing comes along and the internet comes along and it should be much easier to find those investors. And in fact, it's only gotten harder Really, and so I look back at at the history of how did I get into this? Well, it's been a it's been a a it's been widely known that individual investors buy stocks like they shop. Uh, You know, you buy what you know, as Warren Buffett said. Well, you buy what you know. You're going to buy brands. You're going to buy retail. You're going to buy consumer products, and and but making that connection got more difficult because of online investing and then free trading of online in online investing and all of all of, or say 95% of people who are online investors are completely invisible to the public companies they own. So there may be in a, take a McDonald's or a Disney or a Walmart or major brands. Mm -hmm. Whirlpool is one of our clients they have a million, two million, three million investors that they would love to promote their products to, but they can't because they're invisible. And so we are unlocking that bridge between the public company and their owners and giving them rewards. So those perks of ownership are coming to public company shareholders.
1: That's amazing, and and just to dial it back for just a second, you know, you mentioned that asteroids game. I, I can literally, <laughs> I can literally hear that game in my head. Did, 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 oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Just <laughs> the whole sirens going off that it has. Pew, pew, pew. And yeah, was just I, I played the crap out of that game. I don't know if I ever had a a game that came anywhere close to two and a half hours. I highly doubt it.
0: But, well, uh, yes. World you, re- So many world records. Yes, you,
1: you take me back, man. <laughs> I can see those wonderful special effects and the visual effects that they had back in the graphics. Uh, just everything being little lines and your ship being a little triangle. It just, man, it really takes me back. So I appreciate it. Well, yeah, well,
0: and Larry, you know, we, we make ourselves sound really old and we talk about, hey, you kids don't don't understand what the real gaming consoles were back in the day. Right. You say Atari, and they have no idea what you're talking about. But yeah, that yeah. beautiful
1: wood grain console with the right. with the four switches and the two joysticks with one button. Yeah, it was, it was actually a stick. Right. Uh, yeah, we didn't have control pads back back when video games were first introduced. We didn't have handheld controllers. So yeah, <laughs> now I'm sitting here with my damn uh, my VR goggles, and right. uh, I'm I'm getting chased by dinosaurs down uh, <laughs> Jurassic Park and I'm getting motion sickness. I can tell you now that I never got motion sickness when I was playing my Atari 2600. So I'm kind of missing those days, to be honest with you. But, I agree. <laughs> but it's, it's interesting to ha- how you saw the needs of not just the, not just the big corporations, but you saw where there's an opportunity to fulfill the needs and almost desires of the individual investor. And you mentioned something there that it kind of struck me because I would assume that when investing went online and you had all these apps, you had e-trade and all these opportunities for individual investors to come on, you said it was even harder now. can you can you kind of dive into that a little bit and explain that? Yeah, to Yeah, so
0: it's a little arcane of how the SEC reporting happens. But when you own it in an online brokerage, uh, you are you are simply a a uh, an item, a this 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 person unnamed, no demographic information, no idea, you know, what they do or where they're from owns 10 shares or owns a hundred shares. And so you're, you're simply a data point. You're not an individual. And with online investing, almost all of that, again, 99% of online investing uh, is in what's called street name. It's in the brokerage name. So E-Trade would have a big block of stock, you know, in a Whirlpool or in a BP or in a Nike, And those big, the big block of stock is doesn't have any of the information of Larry or Jeff or, or whomever, where they live, how they, what else they own, they might be, they clearly are interested in the outdoors. If they own Airstream, which is part of a public company called Thor, and maybe they drive a Jeep and, you know, you, and, and they wear Timberlands. This is the kind (laughs) of information, right? That's there's a high correlation between your lifestyle and your interests and your stock ownership. And that's really what we're unlocking.
1: So what are some of the challenges that you're facing introducing something like that? Something like ticker, it's it's unprecedented. It's not something that individual investors are used to taking part in. There's gotta be an extreme focus on the educational component of introducing it. How how do you overcome that? I understand there's some creativity involved there.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, there's there's certainly people spend a lot of time on our how it works section of the website because this isn't something that they're familiar with. So sure. from a consumer consumer perspective, there's two issues. One is how does it work? Well, I need to link my brokerage account. Well, thanks to a lot of other FinTech platforms, that's become more safe and secure. And you know we have all of those things built in, but it's a direct link to your brokerage account. You don't have to give us your credentials. You don't have to do anything other than link it. And then your account shows up and then Voila, you, you qualify for some perks. But the other challenge is uh, we are we are new, so we have 100 or so perks available, but we don't have 1,000 or we don't have 5,000. And so this idea that not everyone wins uh, is part of the challenge is the consumer may be disappointed. So that's why we're going to be rolling out. I'll announce it here first for your listeners. Here we go. So we're going we're gonna to have ticker perks, and ticker perks are going to be, Uh, For simply being a member of the ticker community, you'll get, you'll get a perk or a a reward in addition to the rewards provided by public companies. And then, and then you switch over to those, those issuers, the public company themselves, the challenge in convincing them is twofold one on the investor relations, the people that deal with the the shareholders every day, they're focused on the big institutions, the fidelity, the T row price, those, those organizations that invest a million dollars at a time. And they have been trained, I was trained to ignore the retail investor, ignore the individual investor. Too much work for a small amount of return. Mm-hmm. And so we have to convince that investor relations team, hey, this, work, this works while you sleep. This happens in the background and you would like them to be engaged because again, they shop your products. They vote with management. They're long-term They're all the merits that you want in an investor. It's just been inefficient to reach them. Then you jump over the marketing department and they're every day trying to get new consumers or have their existing consumers buy and shop more. And they are literally like punching the guy or gal in the, in the IR department saying, why didn't you ever tell me this? you never told me that i have 1.3 million owners that could i could provide a discount or a loyalty program to and so that's actually the real fun part we've not had a cmo or a chief digital officer say this is a bad idea it's more like okay how fast can we sign on and so i think that's the you know that's the uh, that's been the fun but it's a challenge we're we're inventing a new a new industry and so there's a high hurdle and high barrier to that sales cycle
1: you take these efforts to, I, you have to have a, a proof of concept there in order for these CMOs to, to jump on board this way. I mean, if you look at Wall Street, they've been doing things the same way for years and years and years and years. And they're very ingrained in the ways that they continue to do business. How are those hurdles overcome?
0: Yeah, so some of that really is, uh, you know, the, the first year the, the question was, well, hey, can you give me a case study? well, no, I can't give you a case study. I'm a startup. Yeah. And, and frankly, it has a lot of correlation to when I started the Lambert business, which is, well, who else do you work with? Well, let me tell you about who I used to work with in the, in my, in my past life. And so then you start getting experience and then you start having case studies. So now we have case studies and now we have clients like Whirlpool and Carlots and game on, which is doing experiential game, uh, game, uh, work and, Uh, and NFTs and their publicly traded company and the XFC extreme fighting championships, which is a UFC uh, uh, competitor. Again, these are, these are now the, these are now companies that we have case studies for to say, Hey, Whirlpool got on the platform. You now as a shareholder, get their employee discount. That's a highly, highly valuable. So now it's about building awareness, but as we get more case studies, more people are interested. And so I think that's, you're going to see, Again, a, a whole lot more perks offered in the next 30 days, and that's only going to accelerate.
1: It's, it's really amazing to see the progress that you made just launching this in 2020 and to see where you're already at. So it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of resistance in the market. It seems like you're making significant strides. Do you attribute that to any one thing in particular?
0: You know, I think a, a good idea always sells, uh, and so I think that's part of it. I think it's it's been a, a latent need that no one had figured out yet, uh, and and then I think technology caught up to make it, uh, to make it doable. And so that combination of of you know need technology uh, and and really upside return, and that's the key thing here is unlike a lot of fintechs that are are really trying to monetize the audience, or hey we're going to build a demographic, or we're going to give it all away for free, and then hope that someday someday people pay. We t- today on day one. People were paying for it. These companies are paying for it because they want to, to, to engage with their owners. These are owners of the company, the highest engaged affinity audience they have. And so that's part, part A. Part B is they are, uh, public companies are the largest advertisers in the world. And so the market, The you know they talk about the total addressable market is a very VC thing to, to talk about. But we're talking about a $200 billion plus addressable market in loyalty, in digital marketing, investor relations. It, it combines all of those aspects.
1: I mean, it's, it's hard to really kind of take that in because it is so, such a, a, a large industry. It's kind of hard to conceptualize it. I, and I know somebody operating on your level. This is just day to day stuff for you, but <laughs> but how do you how do you step back and look at that and start to break that down? Because it is such a massive industry. I mean, ten point two trillion with a T. That that's massive. Just those numbers are even hard to conceptualize. Honestly, that's a lot of zeros. But how do you step back and and how does Jeff look at this and go, okay, I can attack it from this angle, this angle, this angle, this angle. How do you balance that?
0: You know, I do, I do think that creativity has been helpful in, in finding we have an unlimited list of, of things we'd like to add, but ultimately they need to drive the business. And so I think the it's prioritizing what's going to be the most impactful, but we have two audiences. We want companies to be aware and we want consumers to be aware. And so we really focused on the companies first. And I think that was a mistake because we, we, we landed some companies, but then they showed up on the platform and there wasn't a big audience so we have to go find that audience to build the audience so it, it really is a cart horse kind of thing uh, so we have really uh, we have really flip turned and by the way I love swimming terms so flip turn is the new flip turn is the new pivot because you know when you flip turn you actually don't lose speed a pivot is a small movement a flip turn is full speed change of direction so we flip turned to uh, we flip turned to the the consumer side and to really showing the value to the consumer of, hey, did you know that you should you should have the perks of ownership? And that concept is logical. And I think that's the biggest piece of all of this of why adoption has been has been good and why generally no one says it's a bad idea. They ask questions like how or does this does this fit for me? But they don't, the the basic idea, it's so logical. You own part of a company why wouldn't you get a perk? And by the way, I did not invent shareholder perks. They were invented 50, 60, 70 years ago. Companies like Wrigley used to give you a free pack of gum. And Wolverine <laughs> Worldwide, which I mentioned earlier, Hush Puppies and Merrill, they've had a, sh- a discount on footwear for, for decades. And these, and Disney used to get dis- discounts on their parks, except that they couldn't validate ownership. So they're not gonna give you a $100, $100 gift essentially, as an owner, if they can't actually prove that you're an owner. And that's a really important part is, absolutely, I'll give you an owner discount if I can verify you own it. And so that's the difference uh, is we, we've brought, again, technology to verify that you own, how long you've owned it, how many shares you own, and creating for the company, hey, there's a new metric out there, shareholder lifetime value. What's how much do they uh, of the stock do they own? How long have they owned it and how much do they spend? And that is, that's really the ROI. And that's what sells is the ROI for the consumer. You get a discount because you're an owner for the company you're reaching and engaging and, and hopefully they spend more with your consumer.
1: So is, is that some of the perks that we can look at as, as being a, a part of the ticker platform is, is do they base their perks based on how long we've owned the stock and how much stock we own? And, and that's what I think.
0: Yeah. So there's, there's what we call graduated perks. So there are different degrees of perk levels um, okay. for most of the clients. Some are are standard. So a whirlpool is if you own five shares of stock, which is about a thousand dollars of, you know, give or take what their stock price is you get their inside pass or their employee discount. And that's on KitchenAid, Whirlpool, Amana. These are you know, obviously you know, brands that have coffee makers and, and stoves and refrigerators that sure. are thousands of dollars. And to get that employee discount is very valuable. So we think that's a, that's a great example of the value that it, that it brings and then you have others that are really really focused on they want to introduce companies or i'm sorry introduce consumers to their company as an investment. So a good example of that is the shift group, SHYF ticker symbol. You wouldn't you wouldn't know them except that you use them probably almost every week and then they make the delivery vehicles for FedEx and UPS and US Mail. Oh wow. And, and so they're the vehicle maker, but a lot of investors don't know that they're essentially the engine behind this last mile delivery industry. And so they really want to offer perks so people become aware of, hey, you like, you like what's happening in, in the delivery man that come, that shows up with your Amazon truck every day like mine does in my house? <laughs> uh, that, you know, that engine, that power, the powering that. Is this truck builder called Shift? So, you know, that there's different reasons, but the reason you have, the reason back to your question, the reason you have a minimum hold period. So you need to hold the stock for, you know, in the case of Shift 30 days, in the case of, of Whirlpool 30 days, in the case of Ford, it's actually six months because their discount is so lucrative. But that hold period is important because of free trading. Well, free trading makes if you didn't have a hold period, Larry could buy the stock today take the perk and sell the stock tomorrow. Yeah, And so we really want people, shareholders who are invested in the company and we want you to continue to buy and continue to hold. And so that's why the, you know, the minimum shares and the hold period are really about, we want serious investors and and serious not being as in it's my day job, but as serious as in I'm committed to be an investor. I'm not just hunting for perks. Right,
1: right. I mean, personally, I, I I don't really want to invest in Shift because I really kind of prefer the Amazon <laughs> deliveries to to taper off a little bit. <laughs> but, <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm like, man, what are all these boxes on the front porch? Fair, relax. No, I, honestly, I love it. We do everything through Amazon. So uh, I would definitely be an investor in Shift because we, we got to have, we buy our groceries through Amazon. I mean, right. everything <laughs> is is there. So it's amazing to to see that sort of thing and to be able to take advantage of these things. You know, I've got a long running joke. My wife and I, we've been married nearly 21 years and uh, she hates going shopping with me. Not that we do much anymore, but back in the day before Amazon, we'd go shopping and I'm constantly and more so just to piss her off than anything, asking for the cashier's employee discount. Right, and she hated this little shtick, but I continued to do it. Once I found out she hated it, I did it more and more. But it's kind of <laughs> cool now to know that I can actually get that employee discount just by owning a few shares of that particular stock. So that's pretty awesome in and of itself. I love it. You're but, a
0: year before your time. Uh, I, yeah. Absolutely.
1: But the difference is, I didn't have the the foresight to leverage that and take advantage of it like you've done here with ticker. So. My hat's off to you, sir. Good job. What you think
0: about, so back in our era, Larry, you and me, you know, the American Express had that tank tagline, membership had its, had its privileges. Yes. Right? Yes. You, got, you got, again, discounts or access. This is the exact same thing. Ownership has its privileges, except that it doesn't, except for a handful of stocks. And so that's really the most basic thing. You go to Marriott Properties because you're Marriott Bonvoy. You go to you fly Delta, American Airlines. You know, pick the you know Alaska Airlines because you have you get loyalty points. It makes a ton of sense, and so it really is is connecting that audience. No,
1: I love that. I think it's amazing, and I love what you're doing with it. So, tell everybody where they can find out more
0: about Ticker. Yeah, so ticker.com. Uh, Either on the web or uh, any app, uh, any app device that you have, and you can find out more information. Link your account and start uh, start getting some perks. Get the perks of ownership.
1: That's cool, man. And that's ticker with two eyes for the individual investor, right? You got it, man. I was listening. I was paying attention. Yeah. Or
0: as I say, or as I say, my favorite, my favorite denomination, the two dollar bill, which is not only for two eyes, but also it's Jefferson.
1: Oh, there was a dad joke right there. Dad joke for you. Dad joke for you. We come full circle on this show, folks. (laughs) 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 No, I love it, man. Thank you so much, Jeff, for taking the time to join us today. This was a a fun and engaging conversation, and I think it's going to open people's eyes to some of the things that they can start taking advantage of with your new platform.
0: Thanks. It's great to hang out.
1: Thanks, man. Hey, everybody, if you did find some value in this episode, do me a favor, reach down there, hit that subscribe button so I can continue to bring you these amazing episodes with people like Jeff bringing you these perks each and every Tuesday morning, 6 a.m. Central Time. because We're in Texas. We got to do it the Texas time, baby. So until next Tuesday, I'll see you then. Thanks. Bye.
0: You've just listened to You're the Boss with Larry Roberts. Join us for our next episode where we help you achieve your goals and live your absolute best life. Be sure to subscribe, connect, and share. Until next time, remember, you're the boss.